Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hi guys, quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. <laughs> Are these your notes? These. <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. It's a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> it was perfect. What are you talking about? This is not Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. <laughs> this is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're going to... Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Joining me today is the founder of Repost magazine and author of the brand new book, Watching Women and Girls. It's Danielle Pender. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure. How are you doing? I'm good. Yes, I'm good. Thank you. It's nice and sunny in London, so all good at the minute. Can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start off with the book. Out on the 23rd of June... Watching Women and Girls, tell us what it's all about. Well, Watching Women and Girls, it is um, a collection of 12 short stories that explore the experience of being watched as a woman. So it's 12 different narratives, 12 different women, and they range from sort of young girls up to a 75-year-old artist. And it's very much sort of exploring that feeling of being watched, which I think a lot of people, in particular women, feel um it's kind of exploring what that gaze does to us like how we perform for it how we shrink ourselves in its sort of glare um sometimes how we internalize it and then police ourselves and how we also project it onto others so it's a kind of big exploration I guess of the male gaze um through different yeah different perspectives and that's I mean that's obviously something that goes back thousands of years as society has sort of um evolved and grown but i i I imagine it's even more prevalent now with how huge social media is yeah definitely it is and i think it's kind of the way that we watch each other and the way that we project ourselves and our image and our sort of you know personal brand um i think it's it's a huge issue but weirdly I kind of touch on social media and different stories, but I I don't know. I felt a bit um, that I didn't want to root it in in that sort of format or from that perspective because sometimes you know when you read about technology in books it, and it kind of dates really quickly. <laughs> That's true. I um I was really like nervous about doing that, but they, it, they, I definitely do touch on some sort of elements of um yeah of how we project ourselves and and how it's and how we very much sort of keep an eye on each other through the the uh, the lens of social media yeah and it's and as you said it's it's a, it's an anthology of short stories from different perspectives at diff- women at different stages of their lives mm-hmm. what was it about short stories that short form medium that that drew you in 
I think I've always really loved them. I had a friend that gave me um, Raymond Carver's Cathedral when I was like 19 or something. Yeah. And I just really love like the way that he writes in particular, those like real vignettes of life where you don't really know, you know, you don't know the backstory and you don't know what happens afterwards, but you get everything that you need from, from that moment, that sort mm. of short story. And I think they're really rich and it felt like I wanted to explore very specific moments in these women's lives. Um, and I didn't want to sort of, and I, th- and I wanted to explore this theme f- through lots of different perspectives. And I didn't feel like I could do that in a novel. Um, so it just, yeah, it, the, the, the format of the short story really sort of lent itself to this, um, this idea that I wanted to look at. Yeah, it really focuses in on the moment and the event itself, as opposed to any kind of character arc or, you know, yeah, yeah, the background sort of before and after, like why we got here and things like that. Yeah, That's really and interesting. I kind of like the, um, like leaving that up to the reader as well. I sometimes yeah. feel like, you know, things can be too over-explained and I feel like it's kind of having a bit of respect for your readers that you let them bring whatever they want or, you know, carry on whatever they want after they've finished the story. Yeah, definitely. Because I, reading is a sort of strange medium where it's almost uh, a cooperation between the author and the reader, where the, the reader is, whilst the author is sort of leading the way and guiding the journey, the reader is also putting all of their own flourishes and things into that, into their imagination as they read it. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's really, I think that's what's so beautiful about it, isn't it? Because everybody has a different experience of reading yeah, one yeah. story. You know, they they build up the, the sets in their own mind, the character stories, everything. And that's what's really incredible about it. Yeah. So so you mentioned that you, you, you like to focus in on moments and you wanted to look at these moments from different perspectives. How do you, what's the seed of each of these stories? Like, how do you find the inspiration and start each one out? It was quite varied. Um, So so I knew that I had, like, I started off with five, I suppose, like, like those moments that that I really wanted to focus on. And they had just come from either, um, they were sort of bits of people that I knew or characters that I'd been making up in my own head. Or, you know, sometimes you overhear, conversations and you think oh that would be really interesting to like build out into a story um like for example junction 64 set in um in a burger king in a service station in my hometown and my friends used to work at that burger king and it was always like this weird it's kind of like service stations are this weird transient places which people bring themselves to and they bring a lot of like baggage and then they're there and then they move on and but these my friends work there all the time and so they saw all of this these transient people and it was just like a really funny place because working in Burger King like it was minging they hated it (laughs) But, (laughs) but it was always they always had really funny stories and so that sort of uh, yeah they I was friends with them when I was like 16 um and so I've had that in my head for a really long time and then other ones like self-portrait is about um it's about this 75 year old artist in New York and her it's it's a kind of like her preparing for her last solo exhibition and that was inspired I was in New York in this Japanese place in Midtown which is like 
such a weird area of New York. Mm. Um, and I saw these two women having lunch together, and I don't know whether they were partners or not, um, but that their sort of relationship and dynamic really um, influenced or inspired that story, and I sort of built it out from just seeing these two women having lunch together. Yeah, so it's very much real life experience or or sort of secondhand experience that you've spoken to someone they've told you about something that's happened and those are kind of the the seeds of inception for all of these stories yeah and I guess also like I wanted in thinking about that experience of being watched as women I wanted to like cover off different things I wanted to have a friendship in there I wanted to have something in a work scenario I wanted to have um like a mother-daughter relationship. So so then I also thought about like what would be most interesting to look at through like the mother-daughter lens or the sister lens and there's a story about three sisters. So yeah, it was kind of thinking of things that I've seen or overheard and then also I wanted to cover off sort of specific areas as well. Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. Showcasing and championing the lives of modern women is something you've been doing for a long time with um, Repost, of course, the magazine that, that you founded. So when did it begin? Um, when, when did you sort of start on this advocacy for women's voices? I think, well, Repost started in 2013. The first issue came out, but I'd worked on it for maybe a year beforehand while I was Mm -hmm. working full time. But I think just, yeah, around that time, sort of coming out of the noughties, it felt like a really toxic time to be a woman. Like it was, you know, like after the nineties and sort of riot girl and even, you know, like girl power, Spice Girls, their sort of rallying cry. It felt like the noughties was almost like a pushback. And then you had this really toxic, like, um heat and now magazine and female celebrities were like hounded relentlessly and it was just like it just felt like a bad time throughout that decade and yeah coming of age in that era it was like whoa this is really horrible and and I definitely internalized a lot of it and then I think coming out of that I was like this is not like this cannot carry on and and then, yeah, because I was a teenager, like early teenager in the 90s, I'd kind of, I knew that there was another way of being and that I didn't feel like this was right. And so looking around, you know, at women's media, there wasn't, that wasn't reflected back. There was, I think Gentlewoman started in like 2012, but even like mainstream, like Elle and Vogue are so much better now, but they were horrendous. And like I was saying, those like Heat and Now and whatever the other titles were at the time, those like really trashy magazines, they were huge. And they were every week, it was like, look at how fat this woman is, look at her cellulite, look at her falling down drunk. You know, there was like this policing of women's bodies and behavior that just felt so toxic and stifling. So I wanted to make something that I, that I wanted to read, basically, in quite a selfish way. Yeah. Um, and that reflected like the the lives of the women that I was friends with because it just didn't feel like that was that any of that was being reflected like women's media was just it was really sort of fashion and beauty whereas men's media like I used to buy Monocle I don't anymore but I used to buy that quite a lot because it had business and politics and 
like culture and design and there was nothing like that aimed at women so that was the sort of starting point yeah it was very much uh, i mean it's it's shocking how recent we've kind of moved out of these antiquated roles of where men and women sit in society and we're, and we're not even all the way there yet but i mean publications like repost are doing a lot to you know change that 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 um predisposition about the world and society and i think it's great it's really really good it feels like at that time as well like as we launched in 2013 yeah it was like a flurry of different um platforms and magazines like there was uh which a lot of them have sadly closed now there was like the debrief there was broadly polyester which is still around um lauren laverne had the pool for a while there was a lot of different um titles that came out and I think there was like a real pushback and and I, it's weird because like I said like a lot of them have have folded I'm not sure 100% why I guess the business model of like giving away free content like that's not it's not sustainable yeah but yeah there was a definite like flurry of uh of similar titles do, trying to do the same thing I guess it makes sense because it's something that you've said you just said and i hear a lot in publishing which most of the time is when people are talking about fiction is uh write something that you would like to read and it obviously doesn't just apply to fiction and the fact that there were so many similar publications coming out around the same time obviously shows you that there were a lot of people who wanted to read things like repast that were putting out women's voices yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of sad that it's dwindled down. I think there's still the appetite there, but I think um, indie publishing is very, it's a hard business. It's, like you, it's very difficult to make money. Yes. So it's very difficult to sustain. And I think a lot of the people who started around the same time have just, yeah, it's like I say, it's just unsustainable for a lot of people. So it's it's difficult to make it work financially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for everyone listening who who isn't familiar with Repost, do you want to give the sort of elevator pitch of <laughs> what you guys put out? Yeah, we are. So Repost is a biannual printed magazine and online platform aimed at women and non-binary people. And we sort of, we used to bill ourselves as a smart magazine for women, but I, it started to feel a bit like self-satisfied in yeah. a way. <laughs> so we, yeah, we just, we explore, um, the lives of modern women basically so we cover lots of different topics from like business and politics to social justice and fashion and different things and um yeah t- so twice a year we do a printed magazine which is distributed around the world and then we do a monthly digital edition which explores a different theme each month and sort of um we bring different perspectives to look at each theme and then we have events which haven't happened as much as we'd like you know, over the pandemic, but we're hoping yeah, to bring, bring them back. Yeah. Do you also run workshops? Yeah. Yeah, we do workshops. Again, not as much as I'd like to, but yeah. we're hoping to sort of get that back up and running. And, and what sort of workshops are they? It depends. We've done various different ones. We've done collage workshops and aromatherapy. It just it, it depends Like if we have... Um, we used to do a lot of events, like a full day of events around the launch of each issue. So we would have, like I say, aromatherapy or collage or screen printing workshops, um, more on the creative side. 
Yes, but obviously because of um, COVID and lockdown, you, you've not been able to do those recently. Do you have any coming up workshops or events? No, not at the minute. We're looking at stuff for September. So hopefully we'll have a full program from then. Okay, cool. That's good to know. Yeah. So um, we, we've talked about repost, we've talked about the book. Does the book, as sort of different perspectives of different women, does it sort of feel like an extension of your work with repost to you? Yeah, definitely. And that's what I wanted, like, I wanted to sort of explore those different perspectives. And, and I suppose it's, yeah, to sort of bring those different voices and different experiences. I didn't just want to, again, like, I didn't want to write it from just one singular voice, like you would in a novel. I didn't feel like this theme lent itself to that. Um, whereas I'm right, I'm actually writing something new at the minute, and that is that is a novel, uh-huh. but um, from one voice. But yeah, I, it does definitely feel like an extension of of my background in repost. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. I mean, write what you know. So yeah, added yours here. So yeah, and it's really pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. really you know i've heard that so many times but it really it's so true and Whenever I did, like I wrote some different stories that I then ended up deleting that weren't, that didn't ring true at all. And you really notice it when you're trying to sort of step into a voice or a character that you you literally have no idea about. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult. Switching gears a little, although you are speaking about putting yourself in the, in the shoes of the character as part of the process. How obviously you have a lot of experience um producing and editing and and working on repost how did you find the publishing experience with your first book it's i found it really weird to be honest (laughs) it's quite um because i'm i'm normally the other side of it so Hmm. it was i really enjoyed it but yeah it was quite a strange thing because when you write your first book I don't know how it is moving forward but it's very it's not personal because these aren't personal stories but it's a very personal process yeah so you I was really I guess kind of precious about it and then you hand it over and then it's out of your control which is very strange but I did I worked um with Abigail Bergstrom she was really amazing so she she wasn't on the publishing team I worked with her sort of independently and she um did a really like fine comb edit of the manuscript when it was like two thirds done. Right. And that was really amazing because she was like really respectful, but also really challenging in like a good way in terms of like, you know, she would, she would point out these bits are really good and these bits are really terrible. (laughs) So you need to like bring the good bits to the bad bits. And she was just very, um, yeah, I just really trusted her and she was really insightful and really um, encouraging. And I think you need someone like that when you've not done it before. Oh, definitely. 
yeah yeah did you uh did you feel like you had a you developed a thick skin from your work in repost or or did you not handle the editing process that well <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because i think with repost it's always other people's work so that's like it's like a joint effort so i always sure. love putting it out because it feels like a bit of a party and there's loads of people involved and it's like you kind of come together as a team mm-hmm. whereas this uh it's not that i did it i know i actually really I don't know, I enjoyed, it's not the right word, but I really uh, welcomed the criticism because I think, like, if you've never done it before, it's good for people to be like, I, it would be, it would have felt more weird if everyone was like, yeah, this is really good. It was really um, useful for people to be like, no, this is not good and this is why it's not good. Yeah, it's nice uh, for people to sing your praises and say how wonderful it is, but not particularly helpful. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I read this thing uh, a while ago when someone was like going on about how when their editor drags them, they basically like lap it up. They're like, yes, because they know that it's going to make them a better writer, so they yeah. they, they welcome it. Yeah, and and always it, sometimes it, I mean it's it's always difficult to hear criticism about your work because you do put so much time and effort and yourself into it but uh it's always good to remember that that whole team is on your side everyone's working to try and make it better yeah exactly and I think like when when you're in the editing process it's not like someone if someone's got a a critique or they're offering some advice it's not because they don't understand what you're trying to do. It's not just some random person on the internet who hasn't really tried to understand anything about the work. They they get it. And like you say, they're trying to help you make it better. So I think it's different. Like I'm not going to try and not read anything on the internet because that <laughs> feels a bit more of like rabbit hole of just random people being like, no, oh, I don't like this. Or, you know, it's for, for various different reasons which you have no control over. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The the thing I always hear from authors is never go on um Goodreads. Just really don't go on Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this guy on um oh on This American Life and he was saying that he always goes on Amazon and he reads the reviews of his book. Then oh, he man. finds the people who've written bad ones and then he goes and finds what they've bought. And if he doesn't agree with what they've bought in the past, he's like, oh, I, don't, I don't agree with your review, so that's fine. And Ira Glass, the, the presenter, was just like, that is really sadistic. Like, why yeah. are you doing that? It's awful. It's masochistic. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Unless unless you're... There's um, Joe Abercrombie is one of my favourite authors, and he does a thing where every... I don't remember if it's every week or every month, but he will look up um one star reviews of his book and then tweet them uh to his followers <laughs> of which he has like thousands of thousands although i think he stopped because uh i saw one time he did it and his fans had cottoned on and were basically giving him one star reviews oh, but they were really right. good right. <laughs> so that he would retweet them <laughs> oh. uh yeah it's it's worth i suppose isn't it just like taking everything with a pinch of salt like it's, yeah, you just kind of get kind of get involved in that side of things. I think you go mad. And I, th- to be honest, I think, and this doesn't just apply to books. I think it's any kind of creative um, outlet. Is you're you're never going to please everyone, and if yeah. you if you're trying to create something that pleases everyone, it's going to be so 
basic and just simple <laughs> and like just safe and, and there's not you're not, no one's gonna love it yeah but at the same time i guess no one's gonna hate it and it's like would you rather everyone was just sort of apathetic about it or would you prefer to have some people really love it and some yeah. people be like it's not for me exactly exactly yeah. i think the problem is that people have like it's just the classic thing on the internet isn't it people just forget that there's a person on the other side kind of sometimes a bit much and also the accessibility like i'm getting tagged in things mm-hmm. in a minute which is for the most part really nice but I'm like it's it's also makes us very anxious because I'm like I could be one click away from ruining my day so I'm like <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to navigate that quite yet. yeah yeah I had a, a a friend of mine and her agent were on the podcast a while ago and we were talking about that very thing um of uh sometimes if there's a typo or something in mm-hmm. in the book after it's published don't tag the author and yeah because there's nothing they can do and you're just going to ruin their day (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like not helpful yeah only tag an author if you have something you know positive to say because if the book's out there's nothing they can do about it yeah yeah exactly you know so you mentioned you were working on a on a follow-up which and i was going to ask will it be more short stories but you said it's going to be a long-form novel and i'm sure you're probably not allowed to say that much about it but how come the switch to uh long form yeah um it's a novel and i'm like honey just sent a bit of it off actually like twenty five thousand words in mm-hmm. and i think this the switch is because this story i have like i have it mapped out and i have character that i want to develop and all of the other characters around it around this right. protagonist um whereas the this watching women and girls i guess the main character is the gays and then like all of the support and characters are the different narratives the different characters throughout the different stories so yeah and it's i've been enjoying the process of writing a longer form to be honest it's just but i guess i don't know i've I've wanted to do this since i was a little kid so it's almost (laughs) like every time I get like space in my day to write it's just a real I'm very um grateful for it yeah amazing I mean that kind of joy and enthusiasm always comes through in the writing if that's what you're feeling while you're writing it's going to come through and I'm sure it's going to be great I hope so I think yeah it's like it's that thing isn't it it's kind of not um doesn't always go well but I'm I think it's like that understanding of of the whole process like you have to rewrite a book maybe like 30 times and mm-hmm. if and if you get like I've got my head around that so I feel kind of comfortable like I don't feel I have to nail it every day and yeah and that's fine and I feel like I do, so and I also haven't got the time and the finances to do it all day every day so you know it's like if I don't have a good productive few hours it's fine because then I do another load of different stuff and then I don't feel like terrible that I only wrote three sentences. <laughs> I think that's fine. I think it can be really healthy in any creative pursuit to not be doing it 100% of the time. Go off and do other things. Let your brain sort of um, have that ticking over subconsciously, but don't actively think about it. So when you come back to it, you come back more fresh with more ideas ready to kind of keep going. I find if if you 
for instance, took like a week off and you spent every day writing, this is my own experience is, is that I, I start getting bored because I don't have a break from it. And I need that break to sort of reinvigorate the creative energy. Do you think as well, it's like the, the myth of the writer, like, you know, sometimes I see people on Instagram and they have like these beautiful studios in their gardens yeah. and I'm like kind of jealous and, and also like writing that, you know, the, the life of a writer has been mythologized for such a long time that yeah. you think you should have all this time and you should be able to luxuriate in your craft, but it's just not, it's not real, is it? For like the majority of writers, they're doing it two hours a day around like a million other things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it always makes me laugh if you watch a television series or a movie where there's an author and they're this <laughs> super laid back academic with a beautiful like library studio that they write in every day. And somehow they've only had a few books out, but they've, they seem to be millionaires. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, this is not the experience. <laughs> it really isn't. And I, it's weird, isn't it? I've been thinking about this a lot, like the finances of literature like it's really messed up and I guess it's why there's not so many working class who are being published because the time it takes to work on something like you have to invest your time and your energy and your finances and if you can't afford to do that if you have to work full-time to pay for everything pay for your rent and bills and kids and stuff like it's just not realistic yeah this is it I mean this is an issue across all creative industries as well you know you see it with acting as well where the most prestigious schools are extremely expensive you need you know very good grades and things to go to rod or or whatever so it's it's easy to forget because of the way that the media works that the people making millions are the 0.1 percent of that industry yeah well that's very exciting to hear about your follow-up and uh that you're really enjoying writing this long form style from a single point of view it sounds like you're really on top of it you've got it you, you know the character you know the plan it's mapped out so i'm really really looking forward to seeing what you come up with um before we get on to the final question what is the best piece of advice that you've been given throughout your career so many <laughs> that i now can't think of <laughs> i think what i was saying before about maybe we chatted about it before we recorded um that abigail bergstrom said and then she was talking about you know like the process of mm-hmm. writing and publishing a book and how it's basically a collection of small little things that then amount to like the release and you know your career and i guess that's any career like it's just worth enjoying like the small little wins along the way because that's all it is it's not like a big pivotal moment where you feel like yes I've arrived or I've nailed this it's like that I don't think that ever really happens it's just because yeah even the same with Reposter even when we have a, a magazine launch it's been a series of small wins of like getting the first pdf from the designer and seeing it all you know, as one body of work that's really exciting and then seeing it as when it comes back from the printers and then at the launch and then you see it in the shops, it's like you have to sort of celebrate all of those little wins and, and I guess like take the, like focus on them rather than the negatives because there's so many things that perhaps won't go your way or it doesn't go right. And 
it's very easy to get like bogged down in those things where you feel like it's not going right so yeah sort of celebrate those small wins all the way along the process yeah i think that's great advice i mean it is a roller coaster yeah of ups and downs and i, I think especially with publishing because it's easy to to think that when the book comes out the launch day that's the big success the win but then bear in mind with the speed of publishing you've been the author has been writing that book you know for two three years prior to that they've been editing it for six months plus like they have seen every iteration of that book they saw the cover months ago they've seen all the bits and bobs you know so when the launch comes it's not as big a thing as you would think because you've been doing all these little things and but it's still important to celebrate all of those little victories yeah definitely and I think the most exciting point was actually getting the like the go-aheads you know when I'd like written I think I'd done like 10 of them but that was the real like when I got the um contract through that was really I think that was the most exciting part because it's like this is what I've really wanted to do as a kid this like pdf it's like really it's really exciting <laughs> this email on yeah. my screen is like, <laughs> <Yeah>. let's go <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah i think so true though because that's that's that is the moment when you knew it was happening that it was a reality that it was real the launch is obviously going to be very exciting um but that yeah the moment when you sign the contract and the publisher has said we're publishing this this is going to be a book that is when the it's no longer sort of imaginary or hopeful yeah exactly and i suppose you don't know what's going to come next so at, you, at that point you're just full of like excitement and enthusiasm and you don't <laughs> you know all the hard stuff yeah. to come. <laughs> you're just like oh cool let's go to the pub and celebrate now i'll be just like the people in the movies and <laughs> yeah. i'll be a millionaire in my library <laughs> i'm gonna get one of those garden shed things <laughs> yeah. uh, i'll fit in with the crowd on instagram it'll be great <laughs> exactly. amazing well, that's brilliant advice. Celebrate all the all the little wins. It's very yeah. important. Um, and that brings us to the final question, which as always is, Danielle, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would it be? It would be Raymond Carver's All of Us, which is, a, is his collected poems. Oh, nice. Um, and it's like a big tome. Or I think it's, <laughs> how, what is it, 386 pages. Okay. And yeah. it's just really, uh, yeah, his his poems are like even more compact versions of his short stories and really beautiful. And there's so many of them in this book that I would be able to like read it and then read, reread it again and again. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. I highly recommend it. Oh, we'll check it out. I mean, poetry is always a always a winner, I think, with me because even if there was just one poem, I feel like you can reread a poem and find new meaning in it in a different way that you can with prose. You can always reread a story and find different sort of um, details and things and minutiae, but with a with a poem, you can almost read it uh, sort of in a different perspective, and then it means a completely different thing. Which exactly. Is really cool. Exactly. Yeah amazing well thank you so much danielle for coming on and, and sharing your experience and telling us all about uh repost and 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 the book uh it's been really great chatting with you thank you for having me it's been a real pleasure on this sunny tuesday afternoon <laughs> and um for everyone listening uh danielle's book watching women and girls is out 23rd of june 
To keep up with everything that she's doing, follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Danielle Pender. Uh, to keep up with everything that's happening with Repost, you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at Repost Magazine. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK, or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to Danielle and thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record and download your podcast with and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show and we'll see you in the next episode. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.